Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And on this episode, I'm going to be taking a look at the reverse standings. What those are, what that means. I did this last year. This is what we talk about this time of year with a losing team and why it matters. It's actually changed a little bit over the last couple of years as Major League Baseball has introduced the concept of a draft lottery, whereas before it was just a given that if you had the worst record in baseball, you would get the number one overall draft pick, right? Another reason why tanking isn't quite the valid strategy that it used to be, if it ever was, and in my mind it was always a little bit tenuous to begin with in baseball, Uh, but they've gone out of their way, I I think in a positive way in my view, to try to tamp that down a little bit, and one of the ways they've done that is to introduce this uh, lottery, right, which has existed in uh, the NBA and the NHL for a little while, for roughly the same reason. And so where the Rockies stand right now is third place in the reverse standings. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means and who's around them. But let's back up and just take a look at the league overall. I haven't done this in a little while. And we are going to right now take a look at the teams that have losing records in Major League Baseball and what that means for them. Starting with the team that is in 13th place in the reverse standings. Remember, we're, we're, we're flipping it around. So the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California at 63 and 68. How frustrating and sad is that? As many people have noted, they've got two of the greatest players of all time on their team right now. In addition to being big buyers at the trade deadline this year, which you all know because they bought a lot from the Colorado Rockies, right? Picking up CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick. You got Mike Moustakis earlier. They kind of became a, a sort of favorite among Rockies fans to root for because there are so many former guys there, especially if you include, you know, Carlos Estevez being an all-star for them this year. But, since the trade deadline, despite despite the fact that they, they bought all that and were generally considered winners at the deadline, it just hasn't panned out. They've just gone in the tank. They've gone on some horrible losing stretches since then. And unless they have an absolutely monster September, they're going to fall short of the postseason. And then, of course, they got even more devastating news with the Shohei Otani injury. And while he's still out there hitting... He's basically had to be shut down as a pitcher for maybe ever. God, I hope not. I really, really hope not. Watching him do what he's been able to do these last couple of years on both sides of the ball which isn't even a phrase you use in baseball, right? Like the, the, the the guys don't pitch. They just don't do this. And, you know, if it turns out that whoever signs him is going to want him to only hit which seems to be highly likely you know we talked about this on on twitter and a little bit of my private discord channel some people suggested you know maybe he's got some future as a reliever and maybe that's some way you can you can preserve him but i really hope he can start games and play and do the whole thing again but with the elbow injury who knows uh, as it is that's still devastating for the value of your team even if he can stay in the lineup you've still lost your best pitcher right 
And that's not what you want when you need to go on kind of a historic run to preserve this last-ditch effort to keep this team together, maybe. If there was a way to show, show, hey, uh, that they were serious about winning, you know, it would have been to do some winning this year and maybe make him think that signing back there would be. But now I just, I don't see any way that he's not gone if they fall well short. And again, you know, as as difficult and, and not to, maybe there's some schadenfreude, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But when people do ask me, you know, how can you say that the Monforts aren't the worst owners in baseball? And how can you say that that wasn't the worst trade and they aren't the worst run organization? It's just like, look at this. This is the answer. This is the reason why the Angels have had Mike Trout this whole time. They've had Otani and Albert Pujols along for some of that ride. They've had elite players, you know, we think, and correctly we think around here, that it's absolutely unacceptable that Jeff Breidich was unable to build a winner around a team that already had Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, and DJ LeMahieu on it. Right and the best starting pitching staff in team history, and they were able to get a grand total of one postseason win out of that. But that's one more postseason win than the Los Angeles Angels have with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and several. You know Anthony Rendon. You know it was back when they picked up Albert Pujols and it was Clayton Richard and all these. They've done things, but none of them have been wise. None of them have worked together. And despite the fact that I really was rooting for them to maybe finally pull it all together if for no other reason than that the the baseball world deserves to see trout and otani together in the postseason and it just looks like it's never going to happen and that's man again i know we we hang on some missed opportunities out here but that is again i think right now angels fans and a's fans are the ones who are objectively having a worse time (laughs) Uh, people who might sound like they're having a worse time would be the team that is in 12th place in the reverse standings with a 62 and 68 record. The New York freaking Yankees. It, it happens. There's going to be another one of these here in a minute that's even better schadenfreude for Rockies fans. But there you have it, folks. It's been a weird baseball season in a lot of ways. The Yankees are still a very talented team, obviously, and then they can buy a lot more talent on top of that. But that's an absolutely ridiculous division out there in the NL East, or AL East. There's been a lot of times throughout the year where every single team in that division has been above 500. Like with the Angels, and this is a lot more likely with the Yankees, they could go on a run in September and absolutely get themselves back into it. Again, I I could see the Yankees actually doing that. It wouldn't be surprising at all. But to see them at that spot right here and now and again, (laughs) for for people that expect to compete, uh, that's an absolutely brutal record for them to have right now. Going to skip over the next couple of these. Well, actually, I'm going to skip over one. Cleveland is next uh, in the 11th place at 62 and 69. More or less what you would have expected there. Number 10, San Diego. All right, folks, at 61 and 70, the San Diego Padres are also tied, by the way, with the Washington Nationals. Uh, who have been around these spots for the last couple of years, right? They've, since the World Series win, and then that team together with Soto and Rendon and all those guys, and Gerardo Parra, that they had together, right? Uh, the, the Nationals have been a bottom 10 team basically every year and sometimes in the bottom three. And so no surprise there. But San Diego, man, 
no one seems to get more love from the media despite a lack of results. It's like it can be irritating when the Yankees do get all that attention or the Dodgers get all that attention or the Cardinals. I'm going to talk about them in a minute. Get all the attention, right? But more often than not, they've earned that through years of success, uh, you know, and I would argue that the facts should remain the facts. And it's kind of like the, when you say the veteran pitcher earned the call, like, I think that's kind of nonsense. Like, I don't, I think that the, anyway, it's getting into a side question. Like you haven't earned a new set of facts, but it's at least understandable why they would get the benefit of the doubt. But this San Diego Padres team was declared a dynasty before they ever made a single postseason together. They, have accomplished nothing at all. Like they had a good t- shortened 2020 campaign and that's it. And you know, it's, it's my, now they got a ton of position player talent over there, but during the time where people were telling me that the Rockies should be tanking because there was going to be no way for them to compete in a division that had the Dodgers and the Padres in it. I kept reminding people of two things. One, Padres haven't done anything yet. You can't declare them a dynasty before they've done anything. <laughs> You can't can't tank for five seasons to get out of the way of a team that it turns out was getting out of their own way. And secondly, you got to pitch. You know, Blake Snell is having a nice rebound season and and has been very, very good this year. Uh, But even he, you know, the, the signings of these guys paying big money to guys who have been good in other places is not typically the best way to to get the most value out of your starting pitching especially when you're doing that in a place that tends to over exaggerate the quality of your pitching in the same way that Coors Field tends to over exaggerate the quality of your hitting the San Diego Padres have been from the a media standpoint the most disappointing team in baseball probably three years in a row uh, or what I should say during a, a three-year window Right. Uh, Because I think, again, I'm going to talk about the Cardinals in a minute. They're the most disappointing team in baseball this year. But the Padres for several years in a row, right, I've tweeted this a couple of times, I think, but that the Padres seem to win the offseason and win the trade deadline almost every year. It's just they don't ever get around to winning postseason games. And that's just one of those classic examples of people putting the cart before the horse liking the moves that a team has made and thinking that that's necessarily and inherently what's going to make you better, uh, right? Or, that, or when they've started to spend big money on guys like Soto and Tatis and Machado, right? Like, but just being willing to spend a lot of money, which leads us really well into the next team we're going to talk about, doesn't automatically make you a better or smarter baseball organization, So let's talk about the New York Mets. Now, look, (laughs) they experienced some pretty intense and unfortunate injury luck this year. And at 60 and 71, 11 games under 500, they're, you know, not in the awful, awful, awful category. But they're right around where we've seen the Rockies the last couple of years when they were bad but not the worst. And that's where a team that I thought was a legitimate World Series contender coming into the season, and so did a lot of people. They bought Max Scherzer and Justin Berlander, two guys who, by the way, are on other teams right now and getting paid by the Mets to play for those teams. In fact, it's over $60 million combined dollars that the Mets are paying for Verlander 
and Scherzer to play for the Astros and the Rangers. It's something worth remembering when people talk about $50 million to play for the Cardinals. Not the only, that, that's how you trade big contracts. You have to pay some of it down. I, I did at least appreciate that I saw one or two headlines that said like Justin Verlander plus $35 million in cash sent to the Astros. Same thing. That's a lot of money for Steve Cohen to eat on a year where they were going for it. And where do they go from here? I mean, does he just turn around next offseason and try the same thing? Just spend even more money? Because clearly, like I was saying about the Padres, buying guys who are already good and have been good, and by the way, this applies to Chris Bryant as well. Absolutely it does. It's not a good strategy in baseball anymore, especially if you're not a big market team. Like the Mets, the thing is that this isn't going to derail the Mets for years the way it would have derailed the Rockies for years if they had spent $60 million in dead money on two veteran Hall of Fame pitchers who are now playing for other teams, right? It'd be absolutely devastating to a smaller market team. The Mets, because they have this owner and they have the money, they, they might be able to roll through it. But certainly there isn't a whole lot that Steve Cohen has done to, to show you that from a strategy standpoint, they really are in a much better position. Like I, Again, that's one of those places like with the Padres where there was a ton of optimism around a change in energy. And I hear people talk about that around here a lot of times too. They need to bring in someone from outside the order. They just need to shake things up, right? It, it doesn't matter specifically how or in a pointed and focused way, just different guys, right? Well, you got that in San Diego and, and New York or different, but just do something else. And, and they are, but it isn't working. It, isn't, it doesn't automatically work that way, right? Now, like I said earlier with the Mets, there, there was some bad luck that went into it. But even go back and think about the trade that they made that everybody, remember, so everyone around here is, or not everyone, I should say, because a lot, a lot of us now know about Sterling Thompson, but right, this, the Trevor Story trade. Somebody should have traded for a half a season of Trevor Story, and they should have given the Rockies a good prospect for it. That would have been a, a disaster. The Mets traded Pete Crow Armstrong, the 19th overall pick in the draft. I think 19th. He was a top 20 overall pick in the draft for a half a season of Javi Baez, who was a much better player than Trevor Story at the time. And the Mets were close to making the postseason, but didn't. They didn't do anything with him. They got a half season of Javi Baez. He does not play for them anymore. And they lost a pretty darn good prospect out of it. That's a bad mistake. And I know a lot of people out there had wished that somebody else had made a similarly bad mistake regarding Trevor Story. But that's what it would have been, a mistake. And so right now, the Mets have a lot of moves in the last couple of years that really looked good at the time and got praised in the media and praised for you know signing the money, but most of them not looking great right now. A couple of teams we expect to see in these positions in 7th and 6th place. You've got Detroit and Pittsburgh. No surprise there. Pittsburgh did get out to that fun start to the season. I remember some people saying they've got a great farm system. Some, there's some young talent here, Drew. Do you think maybe this is the year that Pittsburgh does the Baltimore Orioles thing? And I was like, no. <laughs> it was a nice first month, though, and we were all very happy for Connor Joe. Okay, let's talk about this thing now. In 5th place. You know I've been getting ready. I've been I've been amping up for it. The fifth worst record in all of Major League Baseball currently belongs to 
the St. Louis Cardinals. That is maybe the Mets, the most disappointing team in baseball. Those those are the two. And that they're that far down with a record of 56 and 75. Again, that's not just bad. That's not down season bad. That's not San Diego and New York. You've had some injuries. You've had some bad luck. You've had some dumb games and some slump stretches, but you still have like a lot of guys with really good statistics. But no, no, no. St. Louis has just been awful. And all year long, they've been terrible. The pitching has been particularly brutal, but they're even getting down years from their star players, including, yes, the worst defensive season and one of the lower offensive seasons in the history of Nolan Arenado. Now, he's still a star-level player. He's still, I mean, he's still a good baseball player, no doubt about it, but the fact is nobody on that team is having a good year. Uh, They sold off, obviously, at the deadline, and... That's going to be really interesting to see how systemic it'll be. Now, I'll do one thing right here. I'll tell you this. I've just got one of those gut feelings. I know how the baseball universe works, these you know, draft lotteries. So they're, they're probably going to finish here in fifth or sixth place. So they're two games better than Pittsburgh. and uh, or I'm sorry, two games worse than Pittsburgh and four games better than the Chicago White Sox. That's probably about as far as they could fall before catching your Colorado Rockies. Last thing you want is for St. Louis to overtake you. Though it'd be funny. It'd be absolutely hilarious if the Cardinals ended with a worse record than the Rockies. You don't want them getting the better draft pick. They'll all say this. They're in fifth place right now, and it's a 10% chance to get the number one overall pick, according to the thingy here. (laughs) They're going to get it. Right? You're listening to this. You know, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to end up with the number one overall pick in the draft somehow. Like the one team of all these who doesn't need it. Anyone from Detroit, Pittsburgh, the White Sox, the Rockies, the Royals, or the A's, any of those teams uh, obviously could absolutely uh, need it and, and haven't been one of the institutions of Major League Baseball for the last 150 years. But the Cardinals are right there in the middle of it, so they'll probably end up with it. But as it stands now, they've only got a 10% chance. And... Yeah, they lose a few more games. They could bump it up to 13%. Catch the White Sox, maybe. That'll be interesting to watch. So there are your Rockies in third place. And actually in a fairly comfortable third place in in both ways. They could win enough games that they could, you know, drop down a little bit in terms of draft draft positioning for uh, uh, the White Sox or, again, the Cardinals. And that would be funny. But there's also almost no chance that they lose enough games to catch either the Royals or the A's, who are almost 10 games worse. Kansas City at 41 and 91. And Oakland at 38 and 93. Goodness gracious. But the good news here is that the Rockies are actually in perfect position. If they stay right where they are, because all three of the top or bottom (laughs) reverse standings, all three of the bottom three teams have a 16.5% chance of landing that overall number one pick. So there is at this point, no pragmatic advantage to losing a ton more games other than, again, staying ahead of the White Sox, because if they do fall back. Or rather, if they win enough games to catch the White Sox in the actual standings 
and they're three and a half games behind them, they would take 3% off of their chance at getting the top overall draft pick and end up uh, with a 13% chance. Not huge, again. And probably the, the absolute best they could do, like I said, was swapping place with St. Louis and ending up with that 10% chance. But as it, as it stands, there's no reason to, to catch again. I'm not talking about 100 losses today or any of the interesting and frankly bizarre philosophies some people uh, have about the 100 loss season. While we're just looking at the draft pick thing, the Rockies are in the best possible position they can be right now, being the third worst team in baseball. There's actually not any benefit to becoming the absolute worst team in baseball, which will be highly unlikely anyway, given how terrible Oakland and Kansas City have been. So they're in a perfect spot. Uh, again, because there's a lottery and the Rockies have just awful luck, uh, you expect them to end up in fourth or fifth place anyway with that draft pick. But hey, if they get the number one overall, that would be pretty fun and interesting too. Uh, but there you have it in terms of the reverse standings. Who were the worst teams in baseball? Who stands to maybe get uh, a top draft pick here? Can the Rockies hold off? The White Sox and, believe it or not, those St. Louis Cardinals in the tankathon. Uh, the Cardinals have lost their last three, and the Rockies won today. Uh, the Cardinals are 2-8 and eight over their last 10 games. Rockies 3-7. and seven. That's no way to get it done. <laughs> the, not blowing the baseball game today, finally. Uh, man, in like seven games in a row there where they've, they've had the wins. But again, if they'd won all those games... You know, they'd probably be now, let me let me do really quick, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of Pittsburgh, which would take them from a 16.5% chance to get the overall draft pick to a 7% chance to get the number one overall draft pick. So again, I understand wanting the team to win every day you watch and all of that. But as it stands right now, the pace they're on, playing well, ultimately losing more often than not, staying right here, this is the sweet spot. This is the happy zone. Now, when they do the draft lottery and we all see them get the sixth pick anyway, we can scream into our pillows and just, <laughs> you know, we're all, that will almost certainly happen. But the best that the Rockies can do from a process standpoint at this point is just to hope that this is where they land while continuing to, to play the young guys. So I'm going to talk more about that stuff and more about some of the players, including Hunter Goodman. How about that? I've got a lot more on that on the next show, but I wanted to keep this all about the reverse standings and the tankathon and get you all set for everything that you need to know going into this final stretch of games. That's what the Rockies need to do is just stay right there in third and whatever happens with 100 losses happens. Make sure... You don't win too many games that you do kind of significant damage to your draft pick position potential. <laughs> draft lotteries are fun. All right, thank you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel and that you're checking out all of the written content on milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.